You know what I saw? I saw yeah. If Bill Street Could Talk. If Bill Street Could, could talk? talk. It's a James Baldwin uh, adaptation by... Oh, oh, Beale Street Could Talk. Yeah, what did I say, Beale? You said, I heard Beale. Beale, Bill. that's my, that's but, my Sylvan accent. Okay. If Bill Street Could if Talk. If Bill Street Could Talk. Okay, I get... If Beale Street Could Talk. That, that was my talk. southern accent. Did uh, you like my southern accent? <laughs> What's your southern it accent again? It comes out sometimes. Because... What is it? Say it if again. If Bill Street Could Talk. <laughs> two reasons. When I was 15, I, I played a character who was... Who, who was Southern, uh-huh. and the, the director was Southern, and her mother was very Southern, and she uh-huh. had me call her mom on the phone oh, gotcha. and, like, learn the accent, and I talk. That's was, the best way to learn an like, accent. Like that. And yeah. so, also, I waited tables in New York City. Yeah. Um, and I tend to pick up, like, however you talk, I'm going to start talking yeah. that way. Yeah. And in New York, people came from all over. New York is full of accents, man. And so I would just... I didn't even mean to. I would literally be like, don't start talking like, don't do it, don't do it, don't do it. <laughs> Hi, y'all, how you doing today? Oh, shit, Miriam. Yeah. You're an asshat. Um, no Southerners like I it, just, though. But I just can't help. So it was funny when I did, I did this voice and speech program uh, in New York, like postgraduate theater thing. Uh-huh. And um, my teacher could tell who where everybody was from but me. And at one point she really? was like, are you are you from the South? And I said, nope, not at all. We're California. California? Yeah. You don't? I know. When you say California, you but sound like a Californian. I moved to California five years ago from New York. Oh, I now sound yeah. more like I'm from California. Oh. Because Cause you take on I accents. You absorb. Yeah. Into accents. where I am. I'd be a good chameleon. Yeah. Except I'm too loud. But. I, had a, I have a British friend who, um who she was raised in New York, but she was born in England until she was like 12. And she's like, yeah, she's like, yeah, we, we Brits definitely put on, we up the accent they when we're do, trying to get right? things because we know oh, Americans love it. Tut, tut. Yeah, like. Is this on sale? Yeah. Oh, my, it's yeah. beautiful. Because if they're with a person who's actually living in London, you can tell that they don't. That their They're accent not, is very sort like, of diluted now, but like, but because I suspected that, and she was like, "Oh yeah, we totally put on the accent," and she's black, so a black British person is like really cool anyway, because you're like, "Oh I my mean, god, yes," you know. So, but she's like, "Oh yeah, we totally put on the accent if we want to get certain things." That's <laughs> awesome. I love that she. Had... Wait, you saw a field street could talk? Tell me. Oh yes. It. So I, it was so beautiful. Barry Jenkins just, oh my god, he gets it. First of all. The lighting in his films are just yeah. so exquisite. Okay. He he really knows how to, and I think it's because as a black person, we're so not used to seeing ourselves lit this way. I saw like, a whole thing. Did I tell you this? No. Issa Rae had a Oh, whole, yes, yeah, yes. Yeah, yeah, and, yeah. And I never thought about that. We think about that. Like, but it's true. And the way he lights, like, I loved his first film, um... Uh, medicine for melancholy which a lot of people haven't seen but Wyatt Cenac is in it and I, I heard yeah I heard him in an interview talk about it, and I was like oh that sounds like a kind of movie and I loved it uh and it's set in San Francisco and even that was lit really well and he only did that uh Barry Jenkins said it cost him like twelve thousand dollars or something oh my god that. yeah and it's a whole it's a feature film and then let's Moonlight feature film yeah I know well that. let's get twelve thousand yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah. Sorry. Yeah. Need that first. Yeah. And we need the $12,000. But, um, but then Moonlight, that's what I loved about Moonlight, that it was lit so beautifully. I like, and then it. if Beale Street could talk, 
is also it has its Be- own color. Said, yeah. Um, it it has its own like lovely um, distinctive color palette, yeah. um, but it is just the way he lights black skin. Yeah. Um, and the different shades of black people, like it's just. I mean, he's a dark skinned man himself, so maybe that's something that he really developed like, in film school. We can do this. Yeah. So let's do this. So yeah. that alone, but it's also like I was hesitant about seeing it because. I know it's kind of tragic in a way, but then everybody mm-hmm. was saying the way he, cause think about it. Like I was saying uh, last week, I believe on the episode about when, um, um, uh, what's her name again? Now I'm, I'm having a brain fart. Sarah Silverman. Sarah Silverman. <laughs> again, week two, when she said that they <laughs> think about there haven't been that many Jewish leading ladies. Yeah. And I was like, oh yeah, I hadn't thought about that. You rarely see black people showing love in a very yeah. uh, sensuous but not sexual way. Um, what is the movie with the three women who put man on the moon? Oh, um, uh, Hidden Figures. Yes. Hidden Fences. No, I'm just kidding. Yeah. <laughs> They're all one movie. Look at it. It's just one movie. Yeah, yeah. Um, I noticed that. Yeah. When they had the home scenes, yeah. I found myself expecting someone to hit someone, someone yep. to yell, and it was not. And that's not reality, because yeah. the black people were like, well, yeah, like some of us are loving and some of us are like. Exactly. Yeah. But my racist human pe- person, me. Well, no, because you don't see it on the on screen. Film, yep. But like, I have plenty of friends and experience yeah, to yeah. know that that's. But on the screen, it's always like, uh oh. Yeah, that's the theme of the he's new year. Hit her. Nope. No. He Representation loves her. matters. And Representation matters in all forms. Yeah, and so it's a beautiful, beautiful film. I highly recommend it. Uh, Regina King is probably going to win an Oscar, um, and her performance. I mean, she's just she's so good. She's a she's an American treasure, um, and but. The, the newcomer, the girl is a newcomer and the way he liked her. To me, he really, I was like, I know so many black girls that I like that. I used to be that sweet and innocent, not no more. But uh, you rarely see black women, young Linda, black you women. Have, you have a toot now. I have, I totally. Uh, I did when I was five too. But, yeah. um, but you rarely see young black women who are like 19 appear so innocent and fresh on screen in movies. She usually has an attitude. She's a hood girl or um, she is sexually repressed, but you rarely ever see an image of a young black woman who is just a regular, sweet, nice girl. You know, uh, I, I've watched three episodes of it, but the show Grownish. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that does yeah, it Yeah, exactly. Well. Yeah. Um, like you rarely see that. It's always like. Um, she's either wacky, like we're starting right. to see, which I love because, okay. you know, we're a comedy. So I love right. that. But it's it, like her performance. I'm like, it was so sweet because I was like, and it hit me when I was watching the film. I was like, oh, I rarely see that. And she's just a sweet, she's a newcomer. She, no, she did an great. excellent job. Um, the guy in it is from um, the Julia Roberts show on Amazon. I uh, don't watch it. Homecoming. Homecoming. Yeah. Uh, but he also played... Um, he played uh, Jesse Owens, I think, in Race, I think. Oh. I think. Uh, but he's he's been in other things. But, okay. I mean, he, like, his performance, the, the performances were excellent. Right. So I'll I highly recommend it. If Beale Street Could Talk. I mean, I saw Mary Poppins. Oh, I got to see that one. <laughs> Basically, I, if it's, it's so, it's so good. Oh, my God. It's I love, so good. I love a, a, a magical musical. Come mm-hmm. on. Who does it? I mean, yeah. it's just lovely. It's lovely. 
I'm Shall basically get... good at going to the theater if my children can watch it too because I don't get out much. Yeah. Um, it sounds I'm... lovely. And you know, it really is nice that, you know, I think that's why those animated films that adults like and kids like have done so well yeah, throughout because history it's because like we can all. Go. Yeah. Like, you want to see a movie, but you also, as an adult, you want to be entertained. Like, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. It's so. funny. We, we bought the kids uh, Avatar. Mm-hmm. We bought it for us. <laughs> the Avatar, everyone's like, oh, okay, fine. The series, the Nickelodeon series, oh, it's like 60 episodes. Yeah. And it's a journey they go on and they represent like fire and water and air and earth. And it's all this whole thing. I and love it's, like, it. Lovely. And Sal and I watched it 10 years ago. Yeah. And we're like, okay, it's time. Because, yeah. like, we're all sitting and I'm super into it again. It's yeah. nice to like just all be able to chill out and watch I think they're, like. uh, your kids are too young for Pinky and the Brain, but I highly, highly recommend Pinky and the Brain. Girl, <laughs> Pinky and <laughs> the Brain, 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 Brain. brain. <laughs> all right, should we get started? Let's get started. Okay, so this week, so last week I did uh, Ona Judge, yes. and this week is her companion, Notorious Woman. Martha Washington. Oh, she a bitch. <laughs> Sorry, I'm still reeling. I know. She's such a bitch. So, Martha, Martha Dandridge was born on June 2nd, 1731 on her parents' plantation in the British colony of Virginia. Okay. To John Dandridge, a Virginia planter and immigrant from England and Francis Jones, an American. Martha had three brothers and four sisters. Damn. Oh, my Lord. John, William, Bartholomew, Fanny, Francis, Elizabeth, and Mary. That's mm. a lot of people. Yeah. She also... one vagina. I'm well, just yeah. saying. I know. She also may have had an illegitimate half-sister, and years of birth and, date and, de- and death are unknown, who was born into slavery. Oh. Yeah. Anne's mother was... So, her half-sister... Anne, Anne's mother, was a slave woman of African and Cherokee descent, and her father was believed to be Martha's father, John Dandridge. Wow. So, codified slavery, uh, codified rape. So, there you go. Codified rape. Yeah. Um, So, Martha's father may have also fathered another out-of-marriage half-brother named Ralph, who was probably- Martha's father needs to zip up his pants. Oh, yeah. Now, Ralph, the half-brother, was probably white, however. So her daddy basically was a pimp, a P-I-M-P. Oh, yeah, no, he P-I-M-P. just like, saw a vagina and put it yeah. in there. Yeah. Uh, now, when she was younger, growing up, she enjoyed riding horses, gardening, sewing, playing the spinet, and dancing. It must be nice to be a white woman of privilege. Go yes. on. Uh, her father saw that <laughs> she received... From last week, I hate her so much well, already. I'm coming into this little biased. Yes. So even though her father was a P-I-M-P, pimp, uh, he <laughs> just saw... Just you can't spell, she said pimp. <laughs> He saw that she received a fair education in basic mathematics, uh, reading, and writing, something girls primarily did not receive at the time. So Martha uh, was described as lovely and attractive uh, with a lively personality. She was generally strong-willed, though, also charming, sincere, warm, and socially adept. So she was likable. On May 15, 1750, at the age of 18, Martha married Daniel Park Custis, a rich planter two decades her senior. Damn. And moved to his resident so, residence. He was 38? Yeah. She was 18? Yeah. Do you remember being 18? Mm, vaguely. Okay, can you imagine a 38-year-old? 
Well, that's uh, up to you. That's I'm Mr. Like, Rochester and Jane Eyre and Jane Eyre. I know, but that's different. It's I know. romantic. It's, it's romantic. I know. <laughs> um, so he was 38. She was 18. And she moved to his residence, um, White House Plantation. Okay. Located on the south shore of the Panmunkey River, a few miles upriver from Chestnut Grove. So Chestnut Grove is where she grew up. Right. Yeah. Um, while her husband managed the estate, which encompassed over 17,000 acres. That's insane. Martha set up housekeeping on the Custis plantation. That... Well, you can have the 17,000 acres if you have slaves. So there you go. Um, her and, husband. And she requested no less. Yes, of course. 17,000 acres. Yeah. Her, uh, her husband adored his young, pretty bride and yeah, pampered her. <laughs> And pampered her with the finest clothes and gifts imported from England. Mm -hmm. They had four children together, uh, Daniel, Francis, John, and Martha. Okay. Daniel and Francis died in childhood. The other two children, John and Martha, survived uh, to adulthood. Uh, In 1757, her husband dies suddenly without a will. So seven years later. Right. Um, She was 25. uh, Died without a will, which meant that according to the law, so this is reverberating back to last right. week's episode yes. according to the law because he died without a will um he uh, martha uh his and martha's eldest son john was it, who who at the time was a minor would inherit two-thirds of the custis estate including its slaves and the children of those slaves when he became an adult Martha received a dower share, the lifetime use of an income from the remaining one third of the estate and its slaves. Okay. Right. After her death, the dower slaves and their children were to be distributed among the surviving Custis heirs. Her early. Yeah. Yeah. So her early education proved quite helpful in this task. Her husband's former business manager stayed on to help with the operation of the plantation. And she consulted with lawyers when she felt it was necessary. According to her biographer, quote, she capably ran the five plantations left to her when her first husband died, bargaining with London merchants for the best tobacco prices, end quote. Oh, yeah. She also sold smoking. Yeah. Okay. So um, two years later in 1759, Martha Custis, a widow, Mm -hmm. uh, met a young colonel and planter eight months younger than her. Oh, yeah. So they both were 27. I want to control the situation. Yeah. In the Virginia, he was a, a colonel and planter in the Virginia uh, militia at a cotillion in Williamsburg. Oh, how white of them. This, <laughs> this young colonel fought for the British in the French and Indian War, and, and his desire was to become a commissioned officer in the Royal Army, mm. but the British never considered it. His name was George Washington. Yeah, we knew that. Martha <laughs> fell in love, and George found her quite attractive. That she had a good disposition and I mean, inherited wealth. She fell in love. Yeah. That's how one like, person characterized it. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, well, she has a lot of money. She, I mean, he, he thought terrible. she had a good disposition and inherited wealth where it added bonus to the relationship. So you know, when women marry men with means, it's just, it's yeah, icing on the cake. they don't fucking pay us. <laughs> okay. Yes. Yeah. I'm marrying you for your money. What, yeah. you, what am I supposed to do? Now, George Send Washington. my child to college. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. Pay inequality. Yeah. Uh, pay uh-huh. inequality. Isn't it fun? Now, George Washington had, 
I should George, say that I'm in a field that is very fair for women. I know. And I mean, modeling but, is one of the few fields where women get paid more yeah. than men. So uh, Now, George Washington had had a crush on a pretty neighbor, Sally Fairfax. But when Sally married another man, he knew he must find a suitable wife for himself. I just love it how men are like, I need to get married. Yep. Yeah, you know, they still do that. Yeah, do they? I, I haven't met know. any of those guys. I know someone who did it. Yeah. It was like, I need to get married, and I swear to God, in like a year or two years, like soon. Yeah. He got married? made up his mind. Yeah. And I've heard that. I have like, heard, yeah. You're just like wondering, like, why wasn't it me? He wasn't ready to get married. He wasn't ready so to get married. So whoever yep. he's with, yep. when he's ready to get married. Yep. Th- it's something you know. to be said about a man who's like, I'm a grown ass man. I need to get a wife. I'm going to give him some credit for that. Yeah. I'm going to, yeah. yeah. No, I was good with it. It yeah. was just like really interesting. Like, yeah. oh, okay. So, um, so as a man who lived and owned property in the area, George likely knew both Martha and her first husband for some time before his death. During March, 1758, he visited her twice at the white house. Mm-hmm. The second time he came away with either an engagement of marriage, or at least her promise to think you about look- his proposal. Yeah. Pretty. And yeah. I wouldn't mind if you could be on my arm and I could take most of your money. But Martha had options, okay? Yes, girl. Because at the time, at the same time, he was coming a courting and a calling. She was being courted by another planter, Charles Carter, who was even wealthier than George Washington. Well, okay. So Martha had mm. options, okay? Uh, that's what millions of dollars and uh, hundreds of slaves will do for. Yeah, no, that's how that works. <laughs> it's very true. It is lucrative. Let's keep in mind where all this wealth comes from. I'm just saying. Mm-hmm. Now, the wedding was grand. Of course it was. Washington's suit was a blue and silver cloth with red trimming and gold knee buckles. The bride wore purple silk shoes with spangled buckles, which are displayed at Mount Vernon to this day. Oh, I'd like to see that. The couple honeymooned at the White House for several weeks before setting up house at Washington's Mount Vernon estate. They appeared to have had a solid marriage. Martha and George had no children together, but they raised Martha's two surviving children. Okay. When her daughter Martha, nicknamed Patsy, died as a teenager during an, uh, a seizure, John, now her only remaining child, returned from college to oh comfort my his God, mother. That's awesome. Yeah, so she had four children and now she had lost three. That's crazy. John would later uh, marry and have children of his own. He served okay. also as an aide to Washington during the siege of Yorktown in 1781 during the 1781. American. 1781. Yeah. Sorry. Uh, During the Hamilton uh, moment. I know. The Revolutionary War. Now, before that, in 1774, uh, the political unrest in the colony. So Martha and George are married. Okay. uh, Living high on the hog. Uh, In 1774, the political unrest in the colonies were becoming more vocal. The colonists were being burdened with inordinate amount of taxes and levies. Some of the friends and acquaintances of Martha and George, people who were visitors to their home, were, were soon to become the founding fathers. Martha herself was considerably torn. Her friends and family, that dog is going off out yeah, there. Yeah, no, there's like, I think there's like more than one dog. Yeah, he might be playing. Yeah. Um, her friends and family were split on both sides because remember her father's uh, English, yeah, her mother's yeah, yeah. American. Her son-in-laws were uh, loyalists as well as some of their neighbors. George, however, felt it was his duty to assume some role of leadership at the urging of some of his fellow patriots. He began by working on recruiting and training an armed force. Militia were organized by state. Realizing he would have to be away from home, he asked Jackie and Nellie to stay at Mount Vernon with Martha, which they did. 
George Washington, so this is before the daughter died. Okay. Um, he, so he soon became commander in chief of the Continental Army mm-hmm. and he took charge of his army at Cambridge uh, in the winter of 1775. Yes. After, um, so, so her son goes off and he, um, he joins the army. Right. With his Which stepdad. Which makes sense, yeah. Right? He dies from fever. Oh, he dies too? Yeah, the son, John, dies. Jesus Christ. From fever. So all four kids are dead. All four kids are dead. That's fucked up. Now, after John's death, the Washingtons raised the youngest two of his four children, Eleanor and George, a Washington Park <laughs> Custis. Mm-hmm. The two older girls remained with their mother. So he had four children, her Wait. now deceased son. Okay. So, so Martha's they're watching the grandkids. They're basically. watching the grandkids. They they're watching a boy and a girl, and then the two older girls remain with their um his their widow. Mom. Yeah. yeah. Uh the Washingtons also provided personal and financial support to nieces, nephews, and other family members in both the Dandridge and Washington family. So his extended family and her extended family. Okay. They were by all accounts a close couple, Martha and George. During the years of the Revolutionary War, Martha actually followed George to his winter encampments for each of the eight years and was described by General Lafayette, Lafayette. As, yeah, as having loved, quote, her husband madly, end quote. Okay. Now, when the Continental Army settled in uh, Valley Forge, the third of the eight years that she went, um, in December 19, on December 19, 1777, Martha began socializing with the wives of the other senior officers. Oh, there's Pierre, a play about that. Yes. Pierre Dupontier. My French is horrible. I know I butchered though. it. Um, an aide to Baron von Steuben recalled that in the evenings, the ladies and officers and officers at camp would meet at each other's quarters for conversation. During these social evenings, each lady and gentleman present was called upon in turn for a song as they sipped tea or coffee. Okay. Must be lovely. There was no television. No. Yeah. Also during these years, there were many festive parties, such as the celebration of the formal announcement of the French-American Alliance and camp productions, such as Joseph Addison's play Cato, a favorite okay. of George of General Washington's, who was perform- and the play was performed by staff officers for, quote, a very numerous and splendid audience, including many officers and several of their wives. So okay. there's supposed to be a war, but they haven't But they're having, like, yeah. they're going to the theater. Yeah. Okay. Even though it was war going on, Lady Washington, as she uh, came to be known as, and the other officers' wives were able to keep morale up. Her son, John, like I said, um, he he had died um, from camp fever. That so means She was okay? Yeah, well, after her son died, George was like... Um, you like I think she went back to take care of him and then he died and George was like just stay there don't you don't have to come back and she's like no I will I no, should go on no. watch the theater uh, everything is fine yeah fine. um so so in the beginning she was off I think it all it was all very delightful as it is with war because they think oh yeah we're gonna win this war and then it became real deep and real yeah, dark yeah. especially after he died he died in 1781 now, the war ended on November 25th, 1783, when the British left their last stronghold. Washington said farewell to his troops at uh, Francis Tavern in New York, shopped for gifts for his grandchildren in Philadelphia, and resigned his commission in Annapolis, temporary home of Congress. Um, on Christmas Eve, he rode into Mount Vernon okay. of 1783. Right. Now, after the war, Martha was against Washington agreeing to be president of the new yeah. newly formed U.S. 
And she did not even attend his inauguration on April 30th, 1789. Oh, damn. She's like, this is some bullshit. We need to go back and just be wealthy and fabulous. Let's just be wealthy and abuse our slaves hang out. together. Yeah, let's just do that. What's the problem? However, once he assumed office as the first lady, a term that was later used, she hosted many affairs of state at New York City and Philadelphia during their years as temporary capitals. Now, I recently heard a podcast about her. Yeah. Abigail Adams was like the really, she's really smart. Yes. Um, Martha wasn't dumb, but she wasn't as informed and she wasn't like, she was used to being waited on. And yeah, Abigail had servants that. too, but Abigail was more of a salt of the earth kind of lady. Yeah. And she was yeah. known also to have um, high intellect, Abigail Adams. Oh, yeah. She's okay. very She was a learned man. woman and a thinker uh, and a strategist. Uh, Martha was not. She was a dutiful wife. So yeah. she was a great companion to George Washington. She was raised to be a, wife. a very good wife. Yes. Um, now, so... She's like, hosting parties? I know how to do that. Yes. <laughs> done and done. Yes. Uh, the, the socializing was so, the parties that she threw were so numerous and grand that it became known as the Republican Court. Okay. Upon his, That's awkward. Now, so now, upon his marriage to Martha in 1759, George Washington became the legal manager of her previous husband's estate. Right. Under court oversight. Um. So at the time of her marriage, we covered some of this in the last episode, but I'll, I'll uh, retrace it for those of you who haven't listened to that episode yet. At the time of her marriage, Martha's dower share of her ex, her late husband's estate included more than 85 slaves um, and a third of the property. Right. She would also control any children that those slaves had right. as they would become part of the dower. The Washington, so George Washington used his wife's great wealth to buy land and even to buy more land and even more slaves. Mm-hmm. He more than tripled. Don't forget. All right. Yeah. He more than tripled the size of Mount Vernon from 1757 to 1787. At, for more than 40 years, her dower that's slaves. Crazy. That's crazy fucking shit. Okay, go yeah, on. For more than 40 years, her dower slaves farmed the plantation alongside her husband's. 40 years. That's just 40 years. By law, neither of the Washingtons could sell her previous husband's land or slaves. But he added to to Mount Vernon. (laughs) So when people are like, oh, handout. He got a fucking handout. He got another man's Um, property. Yeah. And he tripled the size of his own property. And we all know what he did in the last podcast. Yes. So. So. Um, now, um, by law, neither of the Washingtons could sell off her previous husband's lands or slaves. Um, which Martha, uh, yeah. So yeah, neither one of them could do that. No, I keep, uh, did I read? I don't know. Okay. Now after her son, so her son who died during the revolutionary war was the inherited child. Oh yeah. Yeah. So he's the last of her children. They're, they've all gone. Right. Um, after her son died, his slaves passed to his son, George Washington Park Custis, who was at the time was also a minor. Okay. If her late son's trust or her dowers uh, or her dower owned a slave's mother, her children were included in that holding. So we, we talked about that right. last week. So the children of a slave was a slave. Um, some slaves owned by the Washingtons and the trust. So the dower slaves from her previous husband right. and Washington's now tripled amount of slaves, yeah. mm-hmm. uh, married each other, forming linked families. Right. This created a complex inheritance issue. Seven of the nine slaves whom Martha and George brought to Philadelphia. So this is, uh, 
a little bit of just last you guys week. Guys, like pause, go back to last yeah. week's. Yeah, but uh, so I'll then, just run through this really quickly. Yeah. So, uh, seven of the nine slaves that Martha and George brought to Philadelphia when he became president. Uh, to work in the president's house included Ona Judge from last week's episode, mm-hmm. were dower slaves. Pennsylvania passed a gradual abolition law in 1780 under which non-residents were allowed to hold slaves in the state for only up to six months. After that date, they could claim freedom. The Washingtons rotated their president's house slaves in and out of the state before the six-month deadline to prevent them from establishing residency and legally freeing themselves. Because they're dicks! Okay. Yes. Martha, why, hey, I, we need somebody to take care of our 17,000 acres. Yeah. So sometimes when I argue like America and what it is and people are very like, I'm a patriot. I love this country. Do you right, love this right. country? I'm like, I love this country. Yeah. That's why I want it to be better. Yes. So one of the arguments is, look, our history is complicated. Yeah, of course. And we have a very dark part of our history that if you keep ignoring yes. is going to make it more complicated. And I get a lot of this. I get a lot of, well, if you just, if you just ignore slavery, yeah. if you just, I get a lot of it. Oh yeah. Too much. Oh, well. if you just ignore like, okay, Vietnam. Okay. If you just ignore the whole like thing we did to the native Americans, like if you just like ignore that, then it's fine. We cannot talk about Martha Washington. Yeah. Okay. The first, first lady, we can't have this conversation out talking about slavery. Yep. So how am I supposed to talk about our country without, without talking? Talk, if I, how do I just let that go? Well, you don't. That's the answer. That's the answer. Yeah. I just, so. I mean, I kind of knew the answer. Yeah. It's, but, I mean, it's, it's frustrating because you know people think, like, oh, if you ignore it, it'll go away. No. no. Black people ignored like, right? racism a long time and then they just, it's, it, it's still here. So slavery was over and then they instituted Jim Crow laws. So. Yeah, why didn't they just ignore it if it wasn't? Why didn't, yeah. why didn't they just ignore their new freed slaves? Yeah. I don't, yeah. What's that? Anyway. Okay. So I just <laughs> How do we feel? I don't know. I feel wishy-washy on the subject. So, um, so Martha Washington promised her lady's maid, Ona Judge, a dower slave to her granddaughter, Elizabeth, as a wedding gift. Again, she right. promised a human being. Mm-hmm. To prevent being sent back to Virginia, Ona's like, I'm out of here. Yeah. She escaped in 1796 from the Philadelphia household during the Washington during George Washington's second term. Mm-hmm. According to interviews with Ona in the 1840s, the young woman had enjoyed being in Philadelphia and feared she would never again um, gain freedom if taken back to Virginia. Because I'm right. sure they were like, yeah, yeah, we're for you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But then she's going into the household of a much younger yeah. woman, yeah, no. her own age. I'll free you on my death. Yeah. Mm-hmm. When you're also about to die. You're going to die. Yeah. She hid with uh, free black friends in the city who helped her arrange uh, travel by ship to Portsmouth, New Hampshire. There she married and had three children. Patricia Brady in her 2005 biography of Marsha Washington writes, quote, Martha felt a responsibility for the unsophisticated girl under her mm-hmm. care, because especially since her mother and sister were expecting to see her back at Mount Vernon. Yeah, that's what happened. What she could never understand was that Ona had a simple desire to be free. Ona, as she preferred to call herself, wanted to live where she pleased, do what work she pleased, and learn to read and write. Ona Judge professed a great regard for, Mar- for Martha and the way she had been treated, but she couldn't face a future as a slave for herself and her children, end yeah. quote. If you can save, especially if you can save your children, exactly. you're going to do that. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Just another mother should understand that. Not yeah. God, get it? Now, after Ona's escape, Martha gave her younger enslaved sister, Delphi, to 
Nellie, the granddaughter. Oh, okay. And her husband as Here, a wedding gift. Take her. So again, they were like, "Oh, I want to take her back to her her mother and her family back at Mount Vernon." Let me separate the other child from yeah. her mother from her mother. Yeah. And give her away because yeah. I'm so loving and kind. Now, we talked about this a little bit on the last episode, but a lot of people were like, "Oh, uh, the Washingtons were pretty good slaveholders. They, you know, they, you know, masters. They weren't that bad." So, side note. Let's just be clear. Yeah. Another Washington slave named by the name of Hercules, who had worked as his chief cook at the president's house in Philadelphia okay. before being returned to Mount Vernon in 1796, also escaped from there on February 22nd, 1797. He was known by December 1801 to be living in New York City. His six-year-old daughter, Hercules' six-year-old daughter, yeah. still enslaved back at Mount Vernon, told a visitor that she was glad her father was free. In his, in his July 1790 will, written a year after he became president of the U.S. in April 1789, yeah. and nine years before his death in 1799, George Washington left directions for the emancipation after uh, Marshall Washington's death of all his slaves, so all the ones he owned, right? right? Now, but that's when they're like, oh, they were good slave uh, holders, were but like, they? so were why they? did Hercules is like, peace why, out, why, bitches. Why did they try to run away? Yeah, why did they leave? Why did he leave his daughter? Yeah. If Mount Vernon was so great. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, and then the little girl's like, I'm glad daddy's gone. Yeah. I'm glad daddy's free. Someone should be free in yeah. this family. Um, so he, so in his yeah. will, he freed, he was going to free his slaves after Martha's death. Right. Of the 318, uh, slaves at Mount Vernon in 1799, a little less than half of 123 belonged to George Washington. His will stipulated that his slaves were not to be freed until Martha's death. But in the will, he says he didn't want to split the coupling of the intermingled slave families. That's what he's, that's well, the excuse very, he used. He's very kind. But know, apparently he didn't have any trouble separating a slave a from a, to give away as a, a, a well, present. I mean, it's a present. A present. I mean, like, yeah, here you go. You know, like a doll. Like, you know, here you go. like our puppy. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, in accordance, but many people treat their puppies better than they treat Actually, other human beings. Yeah. <laughs> I, used to say, I was like, who's whipping a puppy? No, don't except, even. Except evil don't fucking people, me, but yeah. Get me on this one. I know. Oh, oh, you know me. I love dogs. So, mm-hmm. uh, in accordance with the state law, Washington stipulated in his will that elderly slaves or those who were too sick to work were to be supported throughout their lives by his estate. Children without parents or those whose families were too poor or indifferent to see to their education were to be bound out to masters and mistresses who would teach them reading, writing, and useful trade okay. until they were ultimately free at the age of 25. 25, huh? It's still a life sentence. It's like, a life sentence. A prison life sentence is a minimum of, what, 20, 25 years, yeah. depending on the state. Yeah. So I just love it how he's like, well, you know, we'll support the old people. It's like, yeah, because they work for you for free. I mean, fuck yeah. For like 80 years. What the fuck do you think you're going to do? Yeah. Um, I'm such a kind, generous. Yeah, and human. taking care of them, I wonder what that really entails. Yeah. Like, they weren't living in the lap of luxury. Yeah, I'm sure. people did not like working for you. <laughs> By the way, they didn't work for you; they worked like at you. Yeah, like, they worked. They had yeah. no choice. Yeah, they had no choice. So, um, so George died. George Washington died Bye. on December 14, 1799. In December 1800, Martha Washington signed a deed of manumission for her deceased husband's slaves a transaction that was entered into the records of Fairfax County, Virginia. The document was lost, however, during the American Civil War. Whoops. 
The slaves were received, the slaves received their freedom on January 1st, 1801, a little over a year after George's death. Now, just a few weeks earlier in December, Abigail Adams, wife of John uh -huh, Adams, yeah. the second president, visited Mount Vernon and wrote, quote, many of those who were liberated have married with what was called the dower Negroes, so that they all quit their family connections. Yet what could she do, end quote? Mrs. Adams suggested a motive for Martha to have freed Washington slaves early. Quote, she goes on to say, okay. in the state in which they were left by the general to be free at her death, she did not feel as though her life was safe with their hands, many of whom would be told that it was in their interest to get rid of her. Oh, nice. She therefore was advised to set them all free at the close of the year. Abigail. Abigail Adams. So basically, strong. Martha was like, uh, so to avoid having a mysterious uh, ailment mm -hmm. to befall me, uh, y'all's all free now. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Martha. Like, they didn't really think that through. They're like, as soon as this bitch is dead, we all gonna be free. I mean, right? <laughs> like, Abigail. Because what, what happened in work. essence is that if even if you were married to one of the dower slaves, you can, in essence, then uh, hire out your labor, make money, mm -hmm. and then buy the freedom yeah. of your loved one. Yeah. So Martha's health, always somewhat precarious, declined after her husband's death. Because wow, so by all accounts, they did have a great love affair. They kind of remind me of the Reagans. Yeah, like like Andrew Jackson and his wife. Beautiful yeah. relationship. Fucktards. Yeah, yeah. But like, but it reminds me of like their love is pure and great, but then they they're like, like fuck the rest like of y'all. Horrific humans. Yeah. Two and a half years after George Washington's death, Martha died on May 22nd, 1802 at the age of 70, having outlived all four of her children. I mean, I have I do too. for that. That's terrible. She was, but she, I will say this because this happened a lot, unfortunately, to a lot of women uh, of all races back then. Um, she did have like a very uh, luxurious life to comfort her. Um, she did. She you did. know, it's, it's nice to know where your next meal is Yeah, it's nice from. to know. Um, she was interred in George Washington's tomb vault at Mount Vernon, but in 18, uh, originally, but in 1831, the surviving executors of Washington's estate removed the bodies of Martha, George, and those of other family members of the family from the old vault to a similar structure with the present enclosure at Mount Vernon. Martha did not emancipate any of her own slaves during her lifetime. So not even the dower slaves, because wow. I'm sure she owned... She owned her own what, slaves. What did I say at the beginning of this podcast? Oh, she a bitch. Yeah. yeah. So so she owned her own slaves separate from the dower slaves because okay. she couldn't legally free them. It's true. But she could have tried. She, yeah. Her will, um, her will bequeathed Elisha, a slave whom she owned, not a dower slave, to her grandson, George Washington Park Custis. The one, and even though he got like hundreds of slaves. Really? She still bequeathed Elisha to... Why don't you just give some jewelry or something yeah. to him? Upon her death, her dower slaves reverted to the Custis estate and were divided among her four grandchildren. God damn her. So that's why Ona was like, peace out, bitches. Because yeah. she knew, because you know who you're working for. Yeah. It's just like, you know who you're married to. Yeah. So that's Martha Washington. <laughs> so many feelings. Yeah, we do all kinds of ladies. Yeah. You know, like you didn't think she was a bad man. Her being a slave owner, and let me just say this: her being a slave owner, because it is at the time, is da, da da da. But even when confronted with the ability 
and the opportunity to free some of these she people. She had so much power. Yeah, she and George now, did I not take it. I know there were some like issues with the Dow. Yeah, with the yeah, yeah. Dow the, the, the Dower slaves. That's yeah, the word. I'm sorry yeah. if you if if someone was like Miriam, you just inherited fifteen slaves. Yeah, and by law, there's nothing you can do to free them. I would find a way to free them. And I don't have the power of being the first lady. Yeah. Especially the first first lady. You know what I mean? Like when, and here's when the laws thing. were still being created yeah. in this country. Yeah. I mean, are you shitting me? And this so is the thing. So like, no. remember when we did Sally Hemings and when they were in France, France was like, you can't have slaves here. You have to pay yeah. them. Like, no. And he had to pay them. He paid them less than the white workers, well, but he had to pay them. Yeah. Right. Like, so you know it. You it, yeah. know it. You know that's the thing that I am so angry and sick of. It drives me insane. They didn't know any better. It was sign of the times. No, they no, knew better. They had options. Yeah. They saw other sides. This was the creation of a new way of yeah. of, of of creating a slave labor like, workforce. Yeah. I mean, a, a perpetual workforce that never ends. I'm telling you, if I had a free, like, yes. if I had somebody cooking for me and cleaning my house and and doing my laundry and you know, and writing, I just have thoughts and then they write them down. Right, like, oh just, no, they can't write them down because they can't teach no, them how to read. Would, no, yeah, no, no, no. But I had time to write these things myself right? because I had leisure time. You could take tea and change your outfit at least four times and a day. And I could day. have lots and lots of parties. So many parties. Yes. So. <laughs> oh, I just, I, I'm just done with the excuses. No, nope, oh, yeah. they made choices and they made yeah. bad ones. Because again, confronted with an opportunity to do the right thing morally, they didn't take it. I said this, I think, in the last one. Christopher Jackson is his name. Christopher Jackson. Chris Jackson. He played George Washington Hamilton. He originated the role. And there's an interview with him on the the Hamilton PBS Okay, yeah, yeah. And, you know, he he went to Mount Vernon. Mm -hmm. He did research and he said, you know, I was trying to find a way to wrap my head around his slave holding Mm -hmm. and how they're just trying to justify and trying to find... Maybe there were reasons, and he said, "You know, I, I tried and I tried, and and there's no getting around that he was a bad guy, and, and I just what? have to find a way to portray sort of this version of how other people saw him." Yeah, but I, I can't I can't pretend that it was okay what he did. And fun fact: George Washington had horrible teeth, mm-hmm. and he they used to have a rudimentary like sort of like a. Um, like a what do you when people put in the dentures, dentures yeah. that they made out of slaves' teeth? Fuck. He says that he paid them for their teeth, but the fact that a person would be like, I well, first of all, I don't know imagine how much you're going to pay paid them, them well enough to lose their teeth. If he did, so his 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 dentures them. were made out of other people's teeth. He's a bad guy. Let so. Us. And he loved ice cream because that was one of the few things he could eat because he had horrible teeth. So, yeah. I'm going to leave that right there, right here. You know what? It's really (laughs) funny that we're talking about teeth right now. Okay, so who's your notorious woman this week? That is super crazy random. Uh Uh-huh. And you'll see why in a moment. Okay. Her name is Lucy Hobbs. Okay. Eventually Lucy Hobbs Taylor. Sounds familiar. Born March 14th, 1833 in Constable, New York. Constable. Constable. Responsible. Hmm. Speaking of Mary Poppins. Yeah. <laughs> uh, she was the seventh out of ten children total. Oh, okay. Both of her parents passed away when she was 12. 
Uh, this forced her to get a job as a seamstress to support her siblings. She then, she attended school and she graduated from the Franklin Academy in New York and then moved to Michigan and she taught in Michigan for 10 years. In 1859, she moved to Cincinnati and she applied to medical school. She went to, she applied to the Eclectic Medical College. She was denied because her vagina was terrifying. (laughs) It's unfortunate, but she was able to obtain her own supervisor from the same college. These poor baby men. The dicks must be so small. Terrified of a lady brain. Um, So then she applied. She studied with a guy, and then she applied to the Ohio College of Dentistry. Speaking of teeth. She was denied again because the, those breasts were just <laughs> first it was so a vagina, now it's the breasts. I mean, my God, it's a vagina and breasts. <laughs> I mean, that combination. So then she became she began a private program of study with a professor, uh, Doctor Jonathan Taft, from the same college that was so scared of labia. Um, <laughs> these, poor, these poor colleges. Oh my God, not that scary, you are crazy. You <laughs> God, I would see it. Oh um, I love it. She applied again after mm-hmm. studying with him, was rejected again. Again, of course. Because they were hiding under their dicks. Uh-oh. So she said, fuck them. I don't think she literally said that. No. Don't no. write me. Or write me. You know, we can talk. Um, she <laughs> opened her own practice in 1861 in Cincinnati. Um this allowed her to practice dentistry without needing a diploma. I guess it was legal there. Oh, depending on the state, I guess. Yeah, it, it didn't really say. But uh, she then moved to Bellevue and then McGregor uh, towns in Iowa. And she spent three years there. In 1865, she gained all professional recognition and was allowed to join the Iowa State Dental Society. She'd just been working long enough wow. where they invited her to do a it. A lady dentist. A lady dentist. She was sent as a delegate to the American Dental Association Convention in Chicago. So they finally manned up, put their balls back in, (laughs) and let her in the Ohio College of Dental Surgery as a senior. Wow. So she went in November. She graduated in February. So it was 1865 in November. She graduated in 1866, February. So she was only there for like four months um, because she'd been doing this. Right. And she earned her doctorate in dentistry. First woman in the United States to do that. Wow. Right? Uh, People were, she wrote this, quote, people were amazed when they learned that a young girl had so far forgotten her womanhood as to want to study dentistry. (laughs) Burn! Psych! Wow. So she moved to Chicago where she met James M. Taylor, who she married in April 1867. She convinced him to also become a dentist. Oh. They then moved. She moved all over. She was like moving all the time. I wonder why. It doesn't I wonder why, say, too. But she was, I don't know if, I don't know. No. Uh, they moved to Lawrence, Kansas, where they had a big and successful practice until he died in 1886. Uh, after he died, she stopped practicing dentistry, but became a more active uh, participant in politics. Oh. She campaigned for women's rights until her death on October 3rd, 1910. Wow. Oh. Well, you know, they probably moved to Kansas, which is the 18, uh, when did they uh, go to 18, Kansas? Uh, oh, 1867. People really needed 
dental work back then. So I can imagine uh, they made a lot, a lot of money because they had a lot, a lot of patients. I mean, <laughs> because people had jacked up teeth. Seriously, they were fucked up. And I think this is interesting. A lot of her like moving around and all yeah. this, this is all during the Civil War. I know. That's what I was just so thinking. I, I like, just feel like, and not, none of it talks about it. I mean, she's a, a white woman. And post-Civil War is when that whole Wild Wild West kind of thing yeah. is like when we think of like, and that had all the brothels, remember? Mm-hmm. <laughs> we had our brothel like, Deadwood, like, like that's, but you know, it's so funny because I had listened to randomly David Allen Greer talk about his father was a doctor. And the reason why black people became black men became doc because they could, because they didn't have a vagina, but they became doctors and lawyers because they couldn't get work that would pay them enough to support their family. So they actually almost had to do that in order to open up a business. Right? Right? Like, so, because becoming a doctor and a dentist and a lawyer, you're opening up your own business. Yeah, pretty much. In a sense. Like, nowadays, people work for corporate, corporations and stuff like that. But, like, but back then, and I was like, I never thought of it like that. Like, that's why you became a doctor or a lawyer, because you can open up your own business. Same thing with her. Yeah. Because what is the kind of, how else is a woman going to make a living other than prostituting or teaching? Yeah. She became a freaking dentist. She became a dentist. And you could wow. tell like, she didn't want to be a teacher. She didn't want to be so a teacher. So she was like, okay, let me try med school. Yeah. And that um, might have been the reason that she moved around a lot too. Yeah. Probably you know? finding different ways and different places. And also being on her own. Mm-hmm. You know? So For a long once, time. Yeah, being on her own. Yeah. And so she's like, I got to get out of Dodge and make some money. Mm-hmm. You know? I love it. I mean, she fell in love with the guy and married him for that. And then she was like, you should be a dentist too. Yeah, because she's like, we can make more money. Right? There's too many mouths to, to service. Yep, yep. And then also I would imagine if she had a husband and the business. That helps. Then that helps. That helps. That's amazing. And it also says by 1900, because of her, almost a thousand women went into dentistry. <gasps> really? You know? And in 1983, the American Association of Women Dentists, which like... I would have been like, why do you need that? And now I'm like, this is why 1983, that's why that. you need it. That's why when and women directors are like, I'm, not, I'm just a director. It's like, no, it's important to say that no, you're a female cool. director. You're a yeah. female director. Yeah. You're and director, but you're also female. We're getting your voice and your point of view, which yeah. the world fucking needs. Yeah. So, yeah, it's good. So lady dentist, but female um, dentist. <laughs> exactly. And they honored her by establishing the Lucy Hobbs Taylor Award, which is which it still presents annually to members in recognition of professional excellence and achievements in advancing the role of women in dentistry. That's amazing. Awesome. Oh my God. Thank you for that. You're welcome. I love that was her. That's great. It's, I mean, we have Martha Washington. Right. <laughs> like, so we have a, a lady, a, a lady, first lady, first and a dentist. Lady and a dentist. What a weird I love episode. It. I love it. But that's Notorious Women <laughs> that's Podcast. Right, that's right. All right, guys, that wraps it up for our latest episode of Notorious Women Podcast. Remember to follow us on Twitter at NotoriousWMPod, Facebook, uh, follow us on there, like our page on Facebook yes, at Notorious, yeah, NotoriousWMPod. You can also email us at NotoriousWMPod at gmail.com. Instagram is Notorious Women Podcast. So that's the only one that's different. Yep. And also, uh, you can uh, donate. Twenty dollars. Twenty dollars is good, but twenty uh, five hundred a month. Twenty five dollars. You can give us a thousand dollars on our become a patron. If you want to give us um, five hundred thousand dollars, we will take just it. F you, FYI, um, yeah, that's cool. Yeah. <laughs> so, 
So, but if you just want to give as little as a dollar a month and become a, a patron, month is cool too, you guys. yes, it, it's we love it. We love our patrons, and uh, you can go to Patreon. That's p a t r e o n dot com slash Notorious Women, and we will see you next week. Bye bye. bye, -bye. <laughs>